Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. I'm very excited to bring you today's conversation. It is with a dear internet friend and fellow content creator who I don't see enough of in person, and her name is Megan Francis. You may know her from Mother of Reinvention with Megan Francis, in which she covers everything from health and hormones to pivoting your career and parenting bigger kids. She inspires moms to ask, what's next? And also, you may know her from The Mom Hour, her long-running podcast with Sarah Powers, which offers practical tips and real-life encouragement for moms who want to enjoy motherhood more and cut back on comparison, worry, and stress. Wouldn't that be all of us? Anyway, I have said on the show multiple times how pivotal Megan and Sarah were to this show being born. And also, I'm delighted that Megan is on the Substack train with Reinventing, in which she documents reinventing her life with creativity, purpose, and adventure. And finally, because I deeply appreciate how multidimensional we humans are, I will say that as a personal friend, Megan has a deliciously salty sense of humor that makes me burst into laughter. And really, everyone needs more friends like that. So welcome, Megan. Hello. Hello, Christine. That was such a lovely introduction. Um, I, I, had, I hadn't thought of myself true. as salty, but uh, I will take it. You know, it's funny. I'm freckled and I have dimples. And for so long, people thought I was such a wholesome person because of that. And the dimples have, do convey wholesome. They do. Yes. And I have a lot of kids. So people also <laughs> assumed that I was like Mormon or something like that, like <laughs> that it was a religious thing. So then they would meet me and be like, what? This is not what I expected at all. So. Yes. Yes. Well, you I try you, to keep I hold it together in podcast land. But if you hang out with me in person, it's a different story. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's it's the very best. It's really it gives me life uh, whenever we're connected. So, Megan, I'm so excited about our conversation today because there are many things we can talk about. And in fact, we just recorded an episode for your Mother of Reinvention show. So I will link it whenever these things go live. We'll connect them. But today we're going to be talking specifically about what empty nesting looks like or 
or fashioning an intentional runway for empty nesting. And so I'd love to just dive in and start with a little bit of baseline storytelling because you have many children, five of them (laughs) to be exact, ranging in age from 14 to 25. So I'd be curious if you could share just kind of an overview of what parenthood looks like for you at present. Yeah. Um, so my two oldest are, um, Jacob is 25, Isaac is 23. They are out in the world doing their thing. Um, but over the past several years have come and gone. So that that's a relatively new, um, development for them to both be out. My middle son, Will went off to college last year and now I'm down to Clara who is 14 and Owen, who is 17 under my roof. And I just got remarried like in May. So um, that has been a lot of change. And I will say that having a large family that's spread out, it's like the most anticlimactic journey to empty nesting ever. It's a slow, Mm. like it's like a leaky um, drain or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. not like when it's not like this intense period of time where like four years, you know, they're both, they're all out and now it's over. It's like, they've been, it's been a slow, um, retreat Mm -hmm. for a long time. And when my oldest graduated high school that same year, I got divorced. So I feel like a lot of transition. Yeah. It was a lot of transition. And I feel like those first few years were, um, a rather chaotic experience of what an empty and an emptying nest could look like, as well as like my ability to be really present and notice it. Um, it's now that I'm starting to really notice it. So, um, yeah, parenthood right now looks like I'm in a, a very normal looking family with two kids, like a, I'm back to like having a nuclear family, but with only two kids instead of five. Mm -hmm. And it feels weirdly, culturally normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I'm also very aware of the, the ticking clock all of a sudden. Sure, sure. There was one thing we talked about in our other conversation together that I just wanted to flag here and ask you about is because you had this realization that the shift and the difference at home really came when your middle one left, right? Yeah. So can you say a little bit more about that and why? Sure. Well, I think, um, first of all, going from five to four, isn't that big of a difference going from four to three. Isn't that big of a difference going from three to two felt like a big difference. Mm. And my middle son was, is an extrovert. He's a real leader in the family. He, you know, he kind of pulls people along into his hijinks, constantly going, (laughs) had always had things, activities, friends, um, sometimes some friend drama. Like there was just a lot going on. And, um, Actually, I had two of those personality types in my older, my oldest and my middle. Very strong personalities with a lot going on. And with that kind of removed, I feel like it's made some space for the quieter kids. My mm-hmm. younger two are are a little more like when they're together, they're not quiet. They're obviously they banter and talk at each other. I can't even understand what they're saying half the time, but they're uh, they're just a little bit of a more chill and introverted personality, both of them. So mm-hmm. It's been interesting to be able to make space for that and see that maybe they had needs that were being a little uh, talked over mm-hmm. by the louder, mm-hmm. older siblings and like watching them kind of come into their own. That's been very interesting. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that, because in the lane of our conversation about making that transition to an empty nest eventually, 
I'm just curious for these two quieter, a little more introverted kids that are at home. Has there been anything in particular that's worked really well in terms of supporting them and the types of people they are? What I'm finding really lovely, actually, is this um, new sort of blended family thing we have going on. My, My new husband has two kids, but they're both older and they're out of the house. So it's just the four of us. And there's been a lot of, we've both been able to devote a lot of time to just hanging out with mm. these two kids who both love him. Like, um, I think my, my daughter may be grudgingly, you know, which she wouldn't probably admit it, but my 17 year old is very, like, he really wants to spend time with Eric, who is my husband. And, um, there's just a lot of like hanging out, watching TV, listening to Owen talk about gaming. He's very mm-hmm. skilled. Um, gamer. And we don't understand that. We're not into that world, but just listening to him talk about it, um, absorbing Clara is a freshman in her, you know, her freshman year of high school. There's a lot of people drama that she likes to unload in a very over the top kind of a way. (laughs) I don't know how else to put it. Uh It's like everything is, is very amplified in its importance. And um, I'm really loving having a partner in that. I have to say it's just, it creates um, more, there's more absorption going on. Mm-hmm. There's like another person to kind of sit there and listen and, and not feel like I have to be a teenager, but like I get to be an adult, but I get to like be part of this teenage world, which has mm. been great. And I think honestly, just it, in a way that was very hard for me to do when as a single mom, I had to kind of keep all the balls in the air and had a lot of things going on and a lot of transitions happening and working a lot more than I really need to right now. Um, I just didn't have the space. And now mm-hmm. I feel like I have the time and the space. So it's, it's not a lot of doing, it's a lot of just being there mm. and being available. Um, I and, love that. <laughs> yeah. There's not, there's not much I'm doing. I'm, I'm mostly just sort of being a sponge mm-hmm. and, and creating space for it. I, I'm really starting to see how, important those dinners are and um getting the kids up a little earlier in the morning so we can all sit around the table and Clara drinks coffee and Owen drinks tea and I drink tea and um we just sit and talk and like those little times mm-hmm. like those little dedicated times mean a lot mhm mhm it's so interesting because i hadn't thought of all the overlaps but the overlapping conversation between this conversation and the one we just recorded that will be on your show the importance of white space and, and time and it's everything, right? So I think that is one of the great gifts of your kids getting older and they're just being a little more room um, to have those conversations is so important. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be back with Megan to talk about friendships. Especially in this digital age, since we're well beyond handwritten journals and letters to convey history, the preservation of stories is so important, especially from the moms and mom figures in our lives. And if you've been looking for a way to collect those stories but aren't sure how to start, I have a recommendation for you. StoryWorth makes it easy. Every week, they email a loved one of your choosing a question prompt that you pick. For example, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? And what aspects of having children didn't turn out the way you expected? Your loved one responds to that email with a story of any length. You will receive copies of these emails as they are submitted. And after one year, StoryWorth compiles the stories and any photos provided into a keepsake book. 
A friend recently shared how moving it was that her mom gifted copies of her StoryWorth album to immediate family members, a genius idea for expanding the preservation and sharing of those stories to people in different households and generations. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years, StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com edit. That's storyworth.com edit to save $10 on your first purchase. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Okay, friends, we are back with Megan Francis. And Megan, I want to talk about friendships. So I'm curious if you experience this with your kids. But I found that when my kids were very little, many of the relationships I formed were based on who they were hanging out with, (laughs) which, quite frankly, wasn't always the best fit for the adults. So now that those lanes are separate, it's kind of a relief. And it also means that the onus is on me to cultivate relationships, to carve out time. I would love to hear your thoughts on this and on what recalibration looks like and being intentional about friendships as your nest empties. Yeah. Well, I feel like I'm, um, I was where you are, you know, years ago because my, my oldest were teens 10 years ago. So I was starting to look at that. My, my world was starting to kind of open up and there was a lot of, um, there were a lot of hobbies that I was starting to pursue. I did community theater for a while. I, yes, yes. and that introduced me to people. I was on the radio for two years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was, I did a, um, a morning show, like a yes. 40 morning show where I was a co-host and that introduced me to a lot of new people. And, um, it's interesting now what's, what's kind of actually happened is that it's retracted a bit COVID. I mean, that's like the story that it's universal that friend group was maybe getting a little out of control, actually a little bigger than I could manage. manage, or wanted yeah, to manage. yeah. Um, I've actually been writing a, a Substack post that will be live by the time, um, by the time this episode airs, cause I plan to publish it today, but about like, for me, the end of FOMO, how it, my FOMO was so strong in my twenties and thirties. I mm-hmm. always felt like there was something out there I was missing. And that relief I almost had when everything kind of shut down and I didn't have to play in every sandbox anymore. Mm. Um, it's been interesting to see on the other side of it, who's, who's still there, <laughs> like who's mm-hmm. still in my little gang. And it's, it's a small, but mighty group 
it's a group that like, I know I have a friend who, if I want to go kayaking, I have that friend. Um, I have lots of acquaintances that I can say hello to those, those soft, um, connections. I think that's what they call them. The, the people that you would see at the grocery store, they're the same people. You might make a little small talk, but it's not, you're not going to get their number Mm -hmm. and call them up. I have a lot of those, but I'm actually finding that I edited my friendships. Not, not like in a mean or intentional way. I didn't break Mm -hmm. up with anybody. They just sort of did edit. So it's almost like I had to go all in on meeting as many people as I could. Yep. And then I had to pull back a little bit so that I didn't drive myself into the ground, running around town, going to every outing, every party. Um, every time I got an invitation, I, I am an Enneagram too. I have a hard time telling people no. Mm. Um, I have a hard time as we talked about in the episode that we did from uh, mother of reinvention. I, you and I both have a hard time identifying what we're feeling in the moment. And especially when I was like a newly single mom, if I had a text inviting me to something, the answer was yes. Immediately. I didn't even think about whether I wanted to go. Mm, mm -hmm. And I think I was kind of exhausting myself. So I think it, you can really go to either extreme. There's people who never say yes to anything because it's easier to stay at home in your pajamas. And I can see how that happens. I actually had a friend, um, kind of a casual friend, but someone who like, you know, came to my son's graduation party and was at my little bachelorette party, like that level of friend. Like mm-hmm. she's not the person I'd call if something went really wrong, but she's a friend. And she texted me at one night at like seven 30 on a Friday and said, Hey, I'm going to be going to, there's this brewery literally a mile from my house. I could practically see it from where mm-hmm. I'm at. And she was going and she said, I would love for you to, to meet me there. I haven't seen you in a while. Okay. So here I am, Christine in my pajamas. I've got my glass of wine. Um, yeah, you and me both seven 30 yeah. on Friday. Yeah. I'm nearly I'm, done. <laughs> I'm watching. I believe it's the Kennedy center version of um, company with Neil Patrick Harris. So it's like, this is not new. It's been around forever, but <laughs> yeah, it was but it's on, NPH. I mean, you can't I say no to NPH. It, and I was like, I've, this is like the fourth time I've seen this performance, but I was like, you know what I'm going to do though? I'm going to, that's what, that's how I'm spending my Friday night. And I thought the last thing I want to do is go like, it was so far down, but I thought this is dumb. Like I haven't seen this person in forever. I need to put on clothes, real pants (laughs) and go. So I went and here's the really funny thing. I did put on real pants, but I forgot to put on a bra. (laughs) <laughs> so I get there and I had a beard. It was really fun. And there was a band and she's like, we should get up and dance. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even have a bra on. I don't think I can get up and dance, but it was like midlife lady dancing. Yeah. You know, it was like a, a jam swing. band yeah. and everyone was just kind of like standing there doing things with their arms. And I thought when I went home, I thought, you know what? I'm glad I went. Okay, but good. I, so you felt like you made mo- the right choice. Yeah. Well, my, you know, everything was free and swinging and like, I talked to some people. It was like I was able to kind of overdose on social interaction. I saw this is a very popular spot. I saw a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. I made a lot of small talk. And after two hours, I went home. I didn't drink too much because I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I had to. My life was calm enough. I had enough going for me at home. Um, I just went and kind of did the thing for a little bit. And then I went home and it was great. I was glad I did it. But I feel like that break from that constant go, go, go mm-hmm. in the friend lane allowed me to separate out 
what is it I want to be doing in any social environment? Do I have to be the one? Do I have to stay till the end? No, I do not have to stay till the end. Do I have to go to everything? No, um, but I should probably go to something. So yes. I, yes. And I also am very fortunate that I have my two very best friends um, from high school that I'm still best friends with. One of them married my brother. So she's in my family. And then I've got people like Sarah Powers and and you and Asha that are my my business besties, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't think you need a large group, but I think you have to be intentional about nurturing that small and mighty group. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes there needs to be like a bit of a scattershot, like a, pr- a promiscuity, if you will, around taking out, like trying out new friends, just going out, join some dumb groups and um, say yes to invitations if you feel like you don't have enough. And then Mm -hmm. at some point you might just be like, okay, that's enough now. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's, I think that's a great point. I I mean, so many great points, but I was just thinking about your sort of resistance and then getting over that and having it work out well. Like sometimes we do have to get over a little resistance to putting our pants on and (laughs) And, it's hard and doing that. Um, but it is really important. It's, it is so interesting. Friendship is one of the topics that people are constantly asking about. And I will link up a really great episode, uh, an interview I did with Melody Warnick, who is all about, you know, finding your relationships and finding your community. So I'll link that up if that's helpful for people who are looking for some new, um, relationships because yeah, they, the, the, the children, they leave eventually. They do. Um, well, speaking of new things, as you mentioned, you're newly married, which I was so excited about. I was like anxiously awaiting your photos as they <laughs> after that weekend. So thanks for posting them in quick order. Um, I recently read in one of your Substack essays, you referenced creating new traditions with your husband, which I imagine is key to any coupled humans going from a life centered on kids to each other. I would love if you could share about some of your new traditions, what they look like, why they're important, you know, and even if they're just little silly things, I think those are great too. Well, you know, the funny thing about a tradition is, um, you don't know it's a tradition always until you've done it for a while. And Mm. what I've found that's now happening is that we're having to alter and, um, modify some of the things we used to do to accommodate our new reality, which is now we went from being, we dated for a long time. We dated for three years Mm. and I've got my kids 50% of the time and his are grown and flown. So, um, what the things like, for example, spending the first hour of the morning sitting quietly, him with his coffee, me with my tea reading, maybe sitting out on the deck that became a thing that we did. We didn't really talk about it. It just became a thing that we did. Same thing mm-hmm. at night. We would spend an hour on the sofa. Sometimes we would just read quietly. Sometimes we would watch a show together. But now half the time, my kids are in this house, mm-hmm. right? So we're probably not just going to like ignore them <laughs> and like every single night and be like, sorry, this is our quiet time. We're mm-hmm. reading now. So we're having to come up with ways to incorporate the kids into Mm -hmm. what we want family life to look like. That's not about us being a couple and it's not our kids. It's it's my kids. Mm -hmm. So that's just been interesting. It works well. I think that, um, it's not like what we were doing was complicated and you can't involve the kids, but I'll give you an example last, just last night, 
Owen, my 17-year-old, has been bugging us to watch this movie, Whiplash, which um, is about a talented drummer. I think you would love it. Have you seen this movie? I haven't seen it. I'll have to look it up. Okay. It's got J.K. Simmons. You know, he was like yes. the... Yes. yes. Okay. So he plays this um, sort of, well, very emotionally abusive band director, jazz band director that this young, talented drummer gets into. And Owen was, I just actually, it's kind of interesting because Owen usually is very into anime and um, I have a really hard time watching anime. It makes me actually a little nauseated. Mm -hmm. Like it's so much movement and Mm -hmm. like, I'm like, my old eyes can't handle this. But, um, so he had been bugging us about it. And I I said to Eric, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just am not in the mood to watch a two hour movie tonight. It's Thursday. It was Thursday at like the end of kind of a long week. I had gotten up really early that morning and I just didn't really want to mm-hmm. but i in the interest of family traditions said okay let's do it and actually it was a great movie and i'm really glad i did it and it just reminded me that like there's room for things that we're doing to change and grow and modify for yes. our new reality i think the holidays are going to be interesting mm-hmm. um that i think is going to be where i it could be my Waterloo um, in a way because I have been very protective about my Christmas Eve and Christmas Day basically since my oldest two kids were babies. Mm-hmm. I drew a firm line that I do not go anywhere on Christmas Day and I only would go someplace like as a family Christmas Eve where we all go together and all leave, but not like, not like, um, I don't, we don't hop around. We're not going, we're not driving two hours away to go do Christmas with our in-laws or whatever. Right. It was like, we might go to church or we might Mm -hmm. like stop at a, my brother's house. He lives in town, but we weren't going to be all over the place and drew that hard line. And you know, people are getting older now and I have another family. Like I have new in-laws and I have, um, a stepdaughter and a stepson. And like there, there may be ways I need to bend and where my kids need to compromise a little bit. We've also done every Christmas morning with my ex-husband since divorcing. Wow. Okay. Every Christmas morning. And that was something we, we really felt strongly about when we first divorced. Like we really want, we, at first it was Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter. We want those Mm -hmm. to be the same as they always have been. And then pretty quickly it was just Christmas and Thanksgiving. And then and then within a couple of years, it was just Christmas because mm-hmm. I think we just both realized we didn't actually want to spend that much time together on holidays anymore. But mm-hmm. Christmas kind of stuck. And, you know, I'm not saying he's not welcome over here. I'm just not sure that's going to it's not going to feel the same. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and my uh, my older kids now, you know, there's going to come a time when they don't come home on Christmas Day anymore because like me, like I felt when I had a young family, I want to do my own thing. So, yes. This, it's a great opportunity to change things, but it is in a period to a very long way to answer your very simple question. I apologize. Um, it is in a, it's in a time of flux. Let's just yeah, say. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the thing I'm hearing, which is a great thing is that there can be a lot of fluidity. And even if you do it one way this year, I mean, it could be great or it could be a disaster, but then you take that data and you move forward. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? So that's that's the good news. I mean, just as you said, you know, your time has evolved with your kids and 
the tradition with your ex has evolved. I mean, so will this. And so I think that's actually a really great thing because I think the holidays especially can feel a bit fraught with yes having to do things a particular way. And we're we're sort of in that boat too of just trying to figure out, okay, how do how do we do this and meet meet everybody's needs and you know, we're probably Including not gonna meet yours. It. We're, yeah, we're probably not gonna meet everyone's yeah. needs. In fact, I wanna meet our needs first. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I it was kind of funny last year um and I didn't know that I was going to be getting married. Um we got engaged in April. It was a pretty short engagement and then we just decided for a lot of reasons it made sense just to go ahead and get married. Um but so last Christmas I did not know that I would be married and cohabitating right. with a new spouse next Christmas and I bought myself a fake tree. The first artificial tree I've ever had. I resisted it pretty hard. Oh, I'm a fan of the fake. Yeah. <laughs> but last year, I mean, I'm romantic about it. But last year, I I found myself after Christmas doing a little, you know, like a little recap in my mind. And I thought, what was something that could have gone better? It was a really nice holiday. But I thought the tree stressed me out. Like going to get it stressed me uh-huh, out. Uh-huh. Getting it up stressed me out. Getting it out of the house afterwards stressed me out. Remembering to all of those things. It wasn't actually fun. <laughs> I yeah. thought it would be and it actually wasn't. And there was like a 40% off sale at Balsam Hill. Um, they have really nice trees and I bought one. So the funny thing is now we each have a fake tree and I don't know who's this, going to be <laughs> dueling fake trees over here. But I that felt like a little moment of like taking back my holiday power a little yeah. bit. You know, I can't force the kids to be in, into something they're not into anymore. Uh-huh. And I don't have to like suffer just to keep things going. They've also been telling me for years that like, you know, don't you you guys don't have to spend so much. Don't get us so many gifts. And I never really feel like I go into the holiday thinking I'm overdoing it, but then it's two parents with some divorced parent guilt. I'm sure in there maybe trying to overcompensate a little bit. And it does end up kind of like every year. I'm like, how do we, how do we do that again? I feel Mm -hmm. like we always say we're not going to. And then we do. And so the kids have even been telling me what they care about and don't care about. And mm-hmm. sometimes I just think they don't mean it, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they're wrong. Um, I think that the fluidity you mentioned, it's also really important to remember wherever you've landed with your family, if your kids are older, like whatever, whatever traditions are working for you, whatever, um, whatever are the mainstays of the way your family does, it doesn't even just have to be the holiday, but whatever the mainstays are of the way your family does X didn't happen overnight. It Mm -hmm. probably took a few years of trial and error. And and so anytime there's flux, whether it's because you remarried or your nest is slowly dwindling in size or whatever it is, like that's not going to happen overnight either. Uh, It's going to take some time. So Mm -hmm. yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So interesting. Well, I wanted pivot and talk about hobbies. I am very passionate about pursuing other interests. And there's an episode I'll link up in the notes called Cultivating Hobbies and Interests. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. In that episode, I was noting especially the importance of identifying interests before one hits retirement. I actually think that's one reason my dad struggled so much. And after he finished his business, because he didn't really have other things that going on. But I think this topic is super relevant for the empty nest runway. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. And, you know, maybe if you could share kind of what's lighting you up these days. Yeah. um, One thing I want to say is that I think there's a real trap. And you mentioned this in that episode and also in the episode you and I did of Mother of Reinvention, that we feel like we have to justify every 
um, hobby we have by mm-hmm. monetizing it somehow or or even just professionalizing it. Like it's not good enough to do something and kind of suck at it. We have to be the best and it has mm-hmm. to be um, Instagram worthy. <laughs> and I I am a big proponent of just doing whatever, whether you're any good or not, does not matter. It does not ever have to earn you a dollar. In fact, I think it's really healthy for it to not. So that's where I would start is just say like, it also, it doesn't have to be professionalized or perfected, but it also doesn't have to last. Yes. Um, Yes. You can do something. You can go take a weird class at the YMCA or at your local community center and then have that be it. Like you Mm -hmm. never do it again. Um, it's okay to dabble. And I feel like we've lost that a little bit. Like, we feel like we have to be great at everything because there are resources out there that seem as though they would make it possible to be great at everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those 15 um, second reels, they make it look like yeah. everything should be really easy. <laughs> you know, what's so funny. I was talking to Sarah powers and, um, I was, we were talking about YouTube and I was like, man, I kind of forgot how great YouTube is because it actually shows you how to do stuff. And it shows you that it's not a 15 second reel yeah. that it's you might have to watch a whole 30 minute, you know, tutorial to learn how to, for example, um, my sister-in-law Jenna and I are going to be getting together this weekend to make wreaths. Now, mm. the reason we got the idea to make a wreath is because we fashioned. Well, I'm going to give Jenna most of the credit. She gets like Jenna gets 70 percent of the credit and Sarah Powers gets 30 percent of the credit <laughs> for my wedding bouquet because okay. Sarah helped me realize that I could do my own flowers and actually sent me tutorials for how to build a Trader Joe's bouquet. And like she did. And I believe she actually made me a Google doc with. Of course she did. To the specific flowers that I should get. So then I went to Trader Joe's on my way up north. We got married in the middle of nowhere, like um, in the upper peninsula of Michigan. There there is no Trader Joe's up there. So we Uh had to stop on the way up. I bought the specific flowers that she recommended, plus some other ones that just caught my eye. I brought them up, and then Jenna, who's artistic, assembled the oh, how lovely. and it was gorgeous. Um, Jenna and Sarah have a lot in common too, so it was gorgeous. And as we were doing it, and we were making like the little table arrangements with with the leftovers because I way overbought. Um, we were like, "Isn't this fun?" It was something about floral floral arranging was so relaxing. Yeah, and then I got. So because I bought that artificial Christmas tree last year, I'm now getting their catalogs and their fall catalog catalog um, had all these gorgeous wreaths that were like 300 bucks. And I thought Mm -hmm. I really want a pretty wreath. I don't want to spend $300 on it. And then all of those things came together in my head. So Mm -hmm. there was like the fact that the, the, the process of purchasing my own florals had been demystified. Thanks to Sarah powers. The fact that like, putting together the bouquet had been demystified thanks to Jenna. And also that I just went to YouTube and literally said, Hey, YouTube, how can I make a wreath? I don't remember how I exactly searched it, but it was like making a wreath with stuff in my yard, mm-hmm, <laughs> something mm-hmm. like that. And then I watched like a 30 minute tutorial where a woman did exactly that. And I was like, okay, this, this is all doable. I can do this. But all of those, if I had just said based on a, you know, a reel or something like I want to be a professional wreath builder. I never would have gotten there. Like all those little pieces had to kind of come together. Um, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. openness. Another example you and I talked about recently was, um, getting into kind of 
herbal medicine and things. And I live on some acreage and my husband and I have been going out foraging for edible herbs and edible plants. So and cool. we just got one. The first time we went out, we literally were looking for one thing and then we found it. And then we're like, oh, but look at this. Oh, but look at that. And now we're doing it all the time and we're seeing things we didn't see before. So I guess in addition to being open to like kind of letting the world direct you into interests and hobbies um, and not overthinking it and not over-professionalizing it, but, but, you know, just learning as you go from people who are a couple steps ahead, mm-hmm. I would say starting really small. Yeah. Yeah. Is another great one. Yeah, absolutely. And I love your point about dabbling and just being okay, letting it be an experiment because yeah. I'm thinking about actually, uh, we've had a little bit of an extracurricular transition over here and Violet after many years of playing soccer is now no, has decided she doesn't want to do that. And so we have a lot of open space and I've been thinking yeah. about maybe pottery classes and even, you know, trying it myself. And I love the idea of going into that with a, with a, outlook of, okay, let's just try. And this could be awesome or it could be a disaster. And either way is fine. <laughs> either way is information. And it's not wasted time. I mean, I did, um, I, when my kids were like middle, not middle-aged, but you know what I mean? Like not little, little kids and not big kids and, and teenagers. There was a, about a three-year window where I did a lot of community theater. It was kind of my outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it at a very family-friendly theater where I was able to take my kids along sometimes and things like that. And I, I did a lot of shows. I want to say I did, gosh, maybe 10, mm-hmm. three or something crazy like that. I directed some children's theater too. Um, it worked really well for the time of life I was in then, but the last show I did was 2018 and I don't really see myself going back anytime soon. Does that mean I'll never do it again? Well, mm-hmm. no, I mean, never is forever. And like, you know, life is long, but right now, I don't want to spend that much time in the theater. I don't want to be up that late, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's I don't, true. It's too late for me. I don't want to be at a rehearsal till 10 o'clock. I don't want to give up um, my weekends. So I'm mm-hmm. just not doing it right now. Mm-hmm. And that is going to mean that there are certain things I miss out on, opportunities. Um, but you get, you know, it's so interesting. Theater is such a an interesting like microcosm of what's going on throughout our lives because I used to feel a lot of anxiety. Like if I don't, stay engaged in it now, I'm going to, I'm going to age out of being Mm -hmm. able to play certain parts. And now I'm like, well, of course I am. I can't do all of it. So I've already aged out of like all the ingenue roles. And then I I, I aged out of all the like single thirties, you know, Mm -hmm. young Mm -hmm. women roles. And, and at some point I'll age out of the mom roles Mm -hmm. and that's okay. I, I can't do them all, but that's Mm -hmm. not a possibility. So it would have to be a pretty big, wow, like a pretty big this is when you absolutely must drop everything and do. Right. And that hasn't happened. So right. I'm I'm happily spending my my weekends tromping around on the property looking for herbs to concoct. Oh, uh, tea wonderful. Well, I expect you to start texting me your your herb findings because now I I'm will. really curious what to, yeah. <laughs> what you're coming up with. <laughs> All right, Megan, we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about work and identity. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, 
wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hello, friends. We are back with the wonderful Megan Francis. And Megan, let's talk about work and identity. So many parents I talk to, if they're approaching or are in the emptiness zone, they're thinking about what's next for themselves. And I know this is something you reflect on a lot. So I would love to hear your thoughts on how to engage in this process of figuring out what's next. I mean, ideally from a place, maybe partially at least, of joy and anticipation instead of fear and worry. Is that possible? <laughs> I I think we hold them both. We we yeah. hold space for both. And and um and fear and worry maybe maybe the more accurate or like the healthier way to frame that is like um uncertainty because that that won't go away. Like mm. we're always going to be a little uncertain about what's next. But there can be some some joy in that. That's where the anticipation comes from, right? Mm. We, we knew mm-hmm. ex- exactly everything that was going to happen. It would be kind of boring. Um, I, in my community, I hear from moms on both ends of the spectrum, from women who've really opted out of the workforce or been in, involved in it kind of in a, a really kid-centric way. Like maybe they worked for their kids' schools or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, always arranged their work lives around their kids. And now they're like, okay, well, I don't want to do that anymore, but literally have no idea, feel like they have no skills. I think that there's um, processes that they can go through that I'm probably not qualified to walk them through. But I think that, Christine, you've done some work in this area around like resume building and things like that that I'd be Mm -hmm. interested to hear your thoughts about. But I'm going to address the other end of the spectrum. People who've been doing what they've been doing because they've been doing it not necessarily, which I mean, they're engaging with the working world in some way and they're identifying with the working world in the way they've been existing in it. And now they're like, gosh, like now that I have time to think about this, is this even what I want? Mm-hmm. Um, is this what I want to be doing? 
do I want to chuck it all and like, I don't know, start a vineyard or become an herbalist Mm -hmm. (laughs) or whatever that is. Like, where do I even start? And I mean, I feel like this is a great opportunity to start just taking those little baby steps so that when you truly do have the empty nest or when you've kind of had time to ease into the empty nest, you know what's next. I mean, like people aren't retiring the way they used to Mm, at like 62, 65. And I don't want to. I want to be engaged in meaningful work well into my 70s, like maybe 80s and beyond. I have no idea what that's going to look like. So I am definitely doing some um, some soul searching there myself, Christine. And I think where I'm, I'm coming up with two realizations. One is something that you mentioned in the episode that we recorded for Mother of Reinvention. where like, let the data help you mm-hmm. because I can't I can't just guess how much money I'm going to need to retire. Like, that's mm-hmm. not going to work. My, my my brain is not doing that compound interest math on its own. <laughs> Mine either. Like, especially in a world of of gig work and contract work and um, self-employment, my brain can't automatically say, oh, okay, well, gosh, this is my hourly rate. And if I was able to stay busy at this hourly rate, then I can retire at 75 with this much money. That's not like my brain can't do that math. Mm-hmm. Um, and it never looks that clean either because there's all the stuff we're doing that's not actually billable at that hourly rate you know, and mm-hmm. we're doing it because we love it. And it kind of fits with what, like our overall mission, but maybe it's actually not earning us much or anything. So I feel like a real look at the numbers is so helpful. I did a, um, a few sessions last spring with um, a company called Fearless Finance. They actually are a sponsor of the Mom Hour. I will just disclose that. But it was like a, a financial planner who was so practical. And she was mm-hmm. just like, hey, Here's what you need to here's what you need to bring in if you want this. Like it was just knowing the facts helped yeah. me. It was demystifying, but it helps me not catastrophize or its ugly um cousin like over optimisticize, like mm-hmm. where you think it'll all just work out. Like those two things can they're opposite ends of the same coin. And I think if you're a little bit afraid of really digging into the money, you can go in either direction. Right. Mm-hmm. So I know what we were talking about is more the identity piece around work. But I think if the money thing cannot be, of course, it's yeah. really hard to to have an honest and open hearted conversation with yourself about how you want to show up in the work world. If you're kind of secretly thinking maybe it won't make you enough money to live and you'll be eating cat food. Of course. Yes. And also. I mean, it's a whole other conversation, but there is the issue if you have been out of the workforce, the traditional workforce for some number of years um, due to choices, household choices, then that's a whole other ball of wax that's going to complicate things. So just wanted to note that. Yeah. So I think data is a good place to start. And I think dabbling, data and dabbling, like Mm. let the world be your playground a little bit. Don't feel like every, I am, I mean, this is me giving advice that I am really giving to myself, but I will have an interest. And the next thing I think is that's got to be it. Like that's got to be the thing that I'm Mm going to take to this next level. And there's a place for that dreaming and that big vision. I I love being that kind of person, but there's also a place at which then I just, I can't 
um, I can't stay with anything long enough to to see it, to realize it fully. Mm-hmm. And so interesting. Yeah. yeah, it may end up looking like the rest of my life is punctuated by five year careers. And I think that would be amazing. Like building on all of what I have learned and, um, you know, the skills I've cultivated, the relationships I've built over the last 20 some years of being in the world I'm in, it could spin that off into multiple lucrative things that don't have to last forever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's it where does. my mind is. It does. Yeah. And I just want to underscore again, how fun this theme of dabbling, <laughs> like how great it is because, and relate it back to the fact that, you know, my listeners know that I made this big leap into uncertainty yeah. halfway through the year. And at the beginning of the year, when I was doing that, when I was thinking about it and was terrified out of my mind and catastrophizing about being homeless and wrestling with all sorts of issues, I thought, okay, I've got to find a retainer job. I've got to find something steady. I need need a lot of structure. And then as that time was approaching, as the jump was approaching, I'm like, nope, I don't want to be tethered to anything right now. (laughs) Yeah, I need to be able to pick my projects and that way you know, short-term projects. That way, if I don't like the people I'm working with, or I don't like the project, the way it's turning out, I can just leave. So Uh. it was so interesting to move from a place of, yes, I want stability and a lot of structure to, okay, no, I actually just want to be able to dabble. Like it's so, it was very freeing and it's felt very freeing to be in that space. I think it's also helpful to give ourselves time to mentally play something out all the way. So, um, And the episode that we did for Mother of Reinvention, we talked a little bit about that muscle memory where things have been a certain way for a long time. And Mm -hmm. so you forget that they're changing. So, for example, I really was allergic to out of the home work Mm -hmm. for a long time because it Mm -hmm. just didn't work with my family. I wanted to be available. I didn't want to be running around all the time. And so I was anything that would require me to be in an office. I except for like the first year after I was divorced, that was the one year I was um, doing an office job but really have not in a very long time. And so I both have to remind myself that that's not my reality anymore. I mm. could go work in an office. I, I could. Um, that maybe, especially when all of my kids are out of the house, there might be something really wonderful about yes. leaving home and going to an office and having what feels like that, you know, grown up boss lady kind of job. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I can't fall into magical thinking where I believe I'm going to suddenly become a totally different person just because my kids aren't home anymore. Mm-hmm. Because all the things that I don't like, <laughs> that I didn't like about office work when I was doing it, probably still not going to like in later identity, like later versions yes. of myself. Yeah. So it's like I have to give myself time to play things out and not get it, not get too caught up in like the excitement over a possibility or the fear that if I don't take it, there won't be another opportunity that comes along. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Really, really good advice. Really good advice. Well, Megan, I have one more question for you, and this is our closer. And at the end of each show, I ask my guests to share what is called your next edit. You might remember it's a super actionable tip that listeners can consider doing right away after they finish listening. So in the context of our conversation today about empty nest prep and evaluation and dabbling and everything else, I would love for you to share your next edit for this episode. Well, I thought long and hard about this, Christine, because I think, again, there are people 
on one end of the spectrum who literally can't think of anything they might want to do next. And then there's people on the other end, like me and possibly you, who can't <laughs> stop thinking about things we might want to do next. And I feel like a pen and paper is the place to start. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you're some, well, regardless of what end of the spectrum you're on, go back to when you were a little kid. I mean, think back to when, before life got to you, you know, mm-hmm. before, before you started to try to shape what you wanted to do around other people's expectations, what lit you up? Was it for me? It was like little house on the prairie stuff. Okay, cool. Uh, let's see. What is the grown up version of that now? How can that show up in my life now? And then I think what you'll find is that if you're like a Christine and a Megan, now you edit. Now you have to say, what's their room for? What's one thing I can choose and find some actionable way to introduce this into my life without making it into a business, Mm -hmm. without taking it to the nth degree? Just don't overthink it. Just get started. Watch the YouTube video. But if you're maybe more on the side where it's like you're not in the habit of, of thinking about yourself that way, or maybe you're just not you're more of that, like, I just do the thing in front of me person and you're not thinking bigger, you might have to push yourself a little bit. You might just have to say, I'm going to do this even if I think it's not going anywhere. I'm just going to take the next opportunity that comes in front of me. Mm-hmm. But I think having a list that you start with and just writing down all the things you haven't got around to yet or that have caught your eye, um, a, a bulletin board poster flyer, you know, about a class that maybe you looked at twice. Mm-hmm. That's notable. Write that down. Um, and then either add or edit, depending on where you where you're at with that list. And for me, it's going to be a lot of it's going to be moving a lot of things off the do now list to the do later or yeah. never do list. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, Megan, this was such a joy to chat with you twice today. I mean, what is this oh life? Gosh. It's, it's so treat. good. It's so good. And thank you again for taking the time and for sharing your thoughts and just for being a fantastic human who I love very much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. This has been lovely, Christine. Wonderful. Okay, friends, you'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at edityourlifeshow or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life, a review on Apple Podcasts, or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.